Hello, ladies. Let's perch. Welcome to another episode of the She's Free to Fly podcast. I am your hostess, Deshonda Lucas, and I have my beautiful guest on today, Dr. Letitia Henry. Um, And I am so excited to have you. We met in a private group that we're in called The Den um, under the leadership of Pastor Darius Daniels. And when the spirit connects, the spirit just connects. And for that, I am very, very thankful. Um, So, Dr. Henry, please introduce yourself. Um, Please share just a little bit of your background, and we're just going to get into the meat of it. No, we're not getting into the meat. We're going to get into the air of it. Since we're free to fly, we're going to get into the air. We're going to soar real high together. So let's soar, my (laughs) sister. All right. First of all, thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, I'm Dr. Letitia Reeves Henry, um, and I am a minister, author, speaker, coach, uh, and I love empowering others, uh, women in particular, and using Mm -hmm. uh, really for me uh, what has become a, a life mantra and that Mm -hmm. dare to be you, daring to be the you that God created you to be. So I love to help others uh, learn to do that in a way that they live out their purpose and that they are um, walking closely with God and growing uh, and developing. Uh, So yeah, that's, that's me in a nutshell. Okay, okay. So, As soon as you started talking and we started talking about daring to be you, um, how did you identify you? What was that process like? Wow. Wow. So it started uh, as as a child. Um, I didn't receive a lot of um, encouragement to know who I was. Uh, We had a lot of things going on in the household. Um, It was many years before my father uh, became free from drug use. So when I was a child growing up, he was an IV drug user. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was uh, abusive. There was domestic violence uh, in my household. My mom dealt with health challenges. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it was a lot going on. Uh, We lived at or below the poverty line uh, for all of my childhood. So there were always financial challenges. Mm -hmm. And so as a probably preteen, I started noticing that uh, I had something that uh, attracted uh, older guys. Uh, and that okay. was the way that I was built, um, had a shapely build, uh, was uh, small in the waist, uh, thicker in the hips and all of that. And and so I liked the, the attention of somebody just really uh, looking at me, paying attention to me, telling me nice things, right? Uh, and Dr. so- Letitia, I, can I pause yes. you right there? Yes. You hit on something that even affected me as a child as a young as a teenager because my body developed way faster than I did yeah way yeah. faster than I did 
And that is what you begin to lead with as a young girl when certain things may be missing. Um, And when I say certain things may be missing, just the awareness and the mindset to know what to do with it and what not to do. So I just want to thank you so much for sharing that because even now a lot of young women experience that, um, especially in this day and time when everything is image built. So it's probably even 10 times as hard for teenagers now because everything is about the image. Everything is about the body. Everything is about the BBL. Everything, you know, it's, it's all about those things. So for that, I thank you. I thank you for being open about it and what those and just opening the door for conversations on the challenges of body image as a teenager and how one can lead in that way. So please continue. Yeah, yeah. That, and that was huge for me because mm-hmm. that's all I knew. That's what I saw the people around me doing. The, the, mm-hmm. the women who were older than me, I, I, I saw them doing that. The women who mm-hmm. were uh, raising their daughters. And so those things were passed down, whether consciously or subconsciously, they were being passed down. And I grabbed hold of that. And at the age of 13, my mm-hmm. first sexual experience uh, with uh, my daughter's father, who was four years older than I was. Mm-hmm. And first time I became pregnant. Wow. So I was pregnant at 13, gave birth to my daughter at 14. Mm-hmm. But being pregnant, uh, my mom wasn't able to articulate the pain that it caused her. She wasn't able to articulate what she felt might happen uh, as a result of my pregnancy. She thought that um, I was trapped and mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to overcome that situation but instead of the pain coming out it came out as anger yeah right so um so i was cursed out Mm. uh and i watched my mom she was my hero she fought for us sometimes she fought so we could have food to eat uh, because as i said my father was on drugs and so she would literally have to fight to be able to keep the money to be able to um, pay bills and buy food and things of that nature. So I saw this superwoman right. uh, fighting for us and, and providing for us the best way that she could. So she was my hero. So to hear her say the things about me that she said out of her pain that came out as anger, uh, those words were harsh. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the B word. Um, slut, Mm -hmm. whore, things Mm -hmm. like that. And so I began to internalize those words. And I lived in that direction because that's what I thought I was. What what was poured in came out. What was poured in came out. And Mm. during my pregnancy, uh, she became so angry one day. She, you know, put me out. My grandma came to the house. At that point, I had started sleeping with a knife under my pillow and was going to commit suicide. Mm. Didn't know the day, but I had a plan. And that was the day that I decided that I would uh, commit suicide. 
and I was close to seven months pregnant at that time. And I decided that my daughter would have to die as well. I knew it was a girl, not because of any testing. I had a dream. Mm-hmm. I had a dream that I was going to give birth to a girl. So I had embraced the fact that I was going to have a girl. But at that moment, I decided if I left my child behind, that my child would have to endure that verbal abuse and possibly mm-hmm. physical abuse as well. And so I decided that I was going to cut my stomach and slit my wrist. Oh, Jesus. And I was in the bathroom. I was weeping profusely. And at the moment when I had the knife in my hand to my belly, my grandmother bust through the bathroom door because she had been knocking, but I hadn't heard it because I was weeping so hard. Mm -hmm. I hadn't heard her knocking. She bust through the door and she said, you will not. She said, come on, baby, you're coming with me. And so we got my clothes and we went to her house. And Mm -hmm. that is how I knew that God must be real. This Mm -hmm. Jesus that I heard uh, my mother, my grandmother, my auntie speak about, he must be real. And for some reason, he wants us alive. I didn't know anything else, but I knew that in that moment. And that's what started the new journey. That's when I accepted him into my heart, into my life, asked for forgiveness of my sins, and started walking um, in the best way that I knew how. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, To pray every day and to listen to uh, messages and to go to church with my grandmother or my aunt. So that began the journey. And that started to shape what I thought about myself and my daughter. I didn't know anything else except the 23rd Psalm. I learned that. Right. And I learned John 3.16. And right. I knew that for some reason, he wanted us alive. That began my journey to find out who I was. Right. Right. It's so amazing. Like I'm I'm just going back in my head on what you shared, like how the pain can be so loud. Pain can be so loud that you sometimes people can't even hear somebody trying to save them. Like you said, you were crying so loud that you couldn't hear your grandmother beating on the door, knocking on the door. And I, in my head, I can like imagine her beating on the door, trying to get you to open the door and how loud that is when someone is beating on the door. But the pain inside can be so loud. And having somebody to say, I'm going to fight for you, And that is what your grandmother did, too. So even that fighting spirit that I hear you talk about your mother had just fighting to feed y'all. Maybe that spirit even came from your grandmother like she fought to save you, you know, and having somebody that's going to fight to save you. And then for her to embrace you 
and say, come on, baby. I, I mean, I remember as a child, one time I got in trouble. Lord, my mama beat the brakes off me, honey. I deserve it now. Every bit of it, I earned all that. Because trust me, I was that 13-year-old that was way developed more. I earned every bit of it. But I remember calling my grandmama saying, Mama, will you please come? I think my mama going to kill me. Not that she was physically like going to do that type of harm to me. But as a child, like I still feared my mother, right? But the grandmother, they came. Like my grandmama came for me. You know what I mean? Your grandmother came for you. Yeah. The, the grandmothers, they were they were ready, they were available, and they came for you, and they protected you, and they covered you, and and and, and it's such a special role in a child's life. And I think, you know, even our mothers become grandmothers one day, and the mother we had is so different from the grandmother that we had, and so I definitely have to take a, a, a special time just to think the evolution of the woman on that evolution from going to, you know, the teenage young adult transitioning to a mother and then that evolution into a grandmother and what that grandmother's love really, really means. And that grandmother's love to me says, to me, you are still my baby. You're still my grandbaby. And I can put aside my own disappointments, my own anger to still love on you. And I'm sure there are times like our grandmothers are sad and hurt, you know, by what we do, but they put it aside. They put self aside. Maybe that comes with wisdom. What do you think? Like it comes with time where you can truly put yourself aside for the love and glory of somebody else. I think that that did come with wisdom for her, but it also came with raising a kid. Okay. Um, it, it, it came with going through insurmountable hardship and tough times and scrubbing the floors mm-hmm. of, of, uh, of white people in a time when she was growing up when racism and sharecropping was still a thing, right? Right, right. Um, And so she understood pain in a different way. She understood that you need to be forgiven for your mistakes. And her faith fueled her actions, I believe. And she realized, yeah, she she made a bad choice. She made a mistake. Mm -hmm. She's seeing whatever you want to call it, but at the end of the day, somebody got to take care of this baby. Somebody got to take care of this baby. And teach this baby how to take care of her baby. All <laughs> right. So All right. She, she understood that. And actually, it wasn't long before my mom understood the same thing. Uh, so she actually taught me how to take care of my daughter. Um, mm-hmm. She eventually allowed me to come back home. It's so funny when I gave birth to my daughter, my mom was there uh, Mm -hmm. in the delivery room with me and I was out of it. I had natural childbirth and I was Mm -hmm. out of it uh, because they had to give me some medicine because they had to do a lot of stitching up and all of that. And I didn't have a, I didn't have a cesarean. So yeah, a lot went on. (laughs) And so mm -hmm. they had to give me, they had to really heavily uh, sedate me so that they could stitch me up 
and they placed my daughter on my belly. She fell off, off oh, the wow. table, off my belly. My mom caught her. Oh, wow. My mom caught her before she hit the floor. And can I tell you, my mom has been in love with her ever since. I know she has. That's what I'm talking about. And so she actually was the bright light. She was what God used to heal us in our household. That's and wonderful. My mom is my biggest cheerleader. Yes. Um, my daughter's biggest cheerleader, right? And yes. so, yeah, you know, God just did amazing things through all of that. And even though my mom and my dad ended up getting a divorce mm -hmm. because so much damage had been done, uh, my my dad did, um, he got clean. That's good. And for the last 15 years of his life, we had the most amazing relationship. Uh, he passed away in 2016, uh, but, uh, he actually came back to um to to really just be a part of our family even though he and my mom never uh, remarried so right. it came full circle um, That's my, my brother my mom my dad and i all had great relationships my dad and my mom were like the best of friends before That's he right. passed and you know, God just did an amazing thing. And it was actually through my initial sermon uh, that uh, my mom started going back to church and recommitted her life to Christ. My dad actually got saved um, when he started coming to hear me preach and mm -hmm. teach. And so God just did amazing things and he continues to do amazing things. And put people in my pathway along the way to encourage me to go to college, to encourage me to finish college, yes. uh, to help watch my daughter while I was in class. Some yes. of my classmates did that. Um, we fed each other, you know, mm -hmm. as hungry mm -hmm. college students. And mm -hmm. there were just so many ways and so many streams of support for mm -hmm. the people that God placed around me to be able to make sure that what he had planned for me would come to pass. Right. So eventually I was able to graduate uh, college uh, and was often featured on television and news segments. Um, about pregnancy, teen pregnancy prevention, yes, and helping parents learn to uh, know how to support their teen uh, teen mothers uh, or fathers mm -hmm. uh, that they were raising. So it actually became a part of how I serve in ministry now, and. Mm -hmm. It kind of led me to the social service work that I've been doing for many years. So, yes, it's a part of my story. It's a part mm -hmm. of, I call it, a God's story of redemption as told through my life. Okay. Okay. And so, 
for a teen mother, and we may have some teen mothers listening, can you share with them that those redemption hurdles that you have crossed? What are those redemption hurdles you have crossed? I think from the very beginning, the greatest challenge was believing that I was worthy of redemption. Okay. Uh, That was a huge hurdle. So really learning to read my Bible. I started with one chapter at a time, and I would Mm -hmm. ask questions uh, from people who knew. Um, I started going to church when I was in my in my early twenties on a very regular basis. Okay. Uh, because as a fifteen year old, I actually was able to be baptized and and was part of a local congregation back home in Knoxville, Tennessee, and some older women who were a part of the congregation actually uh, were very unkind to me, started mm-hmm. some horrible rumors uh, because, mm-hmm. listen, we're talking back in 1984 and 1985. Back mm-hmm. then, uh, teen pregnancy was not as accepted right. and there were not uh, many programs to help teen mothers then. So because it was something that they were not used to seeing. Uh, They did not respond well to me. And so Mm -hmm. I actually ran from the church and stayed gone, stayed out of uh, church life until I was 22 years old. Because church hurt is real. Because church hurt is real. Church hurt is real. They were mothers of the church, and I was, you know, they were very influential. Uh, and the the horrible things that they said about me, yeah, that just stayed with me for a really long time. But I mm-hmm. was able at the age of 22 to find uh, a church home where I was nurtured and cared for. And yes. the pastor actually, who is my father in ministry. We still have an amazing uh, relationship. He's like a father figure to me and Mm -hmm. has been since I was 22 years old. And he told me, listen, everybody has issues and skeletons in their closet. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so you don't need to worry about what people are saying. God loves you for who you are. Right. uh, Because you're his child. And never forget that. And so he never judged me. And he would encourage others to respond to me in the same way. So that began the process of me really being able to grab hold of that truth. And so Mm -hmm. that's what I would tell anyone who is struggling with that as a teen mother. Listen, yes. It's not an ideal situation, but I believe it was Pastor Rick Warren who said, there are no illegitimate children. All right. There are illegitimate parents. Okay. (laughs) But there are no 
illegitimate children. children. Every child that is mm-hmm. born is born because it was God's intention for them to be right. here. Right. And so that's what I tell young people, even when I get a chance to speak with teen mothers and fathers, don't mm-hmm. beat yourself up over that. Learn what you need to learn to be the best parent that you can be and continue to better yourself but redemption is real god loves everyone and he wants us to respond to that love and that starts the process of redemption right because that love that you pour in that's what the child really needs all the other stuff like my mother was 18 when she had me she went to the pregnancy school when you get pregnant in high school and stuff like that um but I know I am her redemption, like, because she poured all of that love in. And whether she had me at 14, 15, 16, 17, 55, when you pour that love in, it grows something so beautiful that it was all worth it. Like, it's, it's part of the story. You having yeah. a child at 14 is part of the story. It was necessary for the story. The people whose lives you have touched because of your experience. People who could relate to what you were saying, they were enriched by your experience. And sometimes the experience is not the most convenient experience, but I think God can be in every experience. Because I do believe all things come together for those who love the Lord. All things come together. And um, you're just part of those all things. How can we... What are some resources that young mothers can go through, go to, whether or what is the mindset that gets you to the resources? Let's talk about that, because, you know, we can we can Google resources. Right. But what is the mindset that gets you to the resources? And this can be for a teen mother, a mother in their 20s, 30s, 40s. What is the mindset that gets you to the resources? I think the mindset has to be really recognizing that you want better Mm -hmm. for the life you're going to bring into the world or for the life that you've already brought into the world. And so for me, I knew that I wanted something different for my daughter. Right. And even when I didn't have uh, the resources, I was able to swallow my pride and mm-hmm. share what I needed. Mm, and yeah. I had to do that. I had to do that many times. I had to share what I needed. And I had to be open to allowing people to help me. Yeah. And so once I was able to do that and the resources that were made available through mm-hmm. relationships with people, Allowing one person to help me and them telling me about something and them pointing me to something else. So that is how I was able to find the resources. That is how I was able to know that I had people around me who were a resource Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. that's what happened. And so I actually ended up being a part of um, a program that, that was at our local recreation center because we lived in uh, the housing project and there was a 
of pregnancy prevention uh, and baby wellness initiative that mm-hmm. was being sponsored by a local sorority. Okay. And they gave away diapers and they helped to uh, teach young mothers how to properly diaper uh, their okay. babies, how to help prevent diaper rash, uh, pointed us to community resources. And there okay. was one in particular, I didn't even know what a sorority was at that time. Okay. So there was uh, this little pen okay. that the person who was a member of that sorority wore, and I had no idea what it meant. I just mm-hmm. remembered at that time, she was someone who went out of her way to be nice to me. That's what mm. I thought. It turns out she wasn't going out of her way to be nice to me. She was just a nice person. Right. She was just a breath of fresh air when I needed it. And so I never forgot that little pin that she wore, even though I didn't quite know what it meant. You didn't know what it meant? Okay. I didn't know what it meant. And so I learned what I needed to learn. I was pointed to resources with the local child and family uh, agency, and we were able to uh, get some help with some of the things that I needed. And so that's pretty much the way life has flowed for me. When Mm -hmm. I finished high school, that's how I got to college because the person who was the director of the rec center that I was working at for the summer, I was allowed to bring my daughter with me to work Okay. because it was a recreation center. So she could mm-hmm. work with me essentially. Um, and so he told me, go, go to Knoxville college and sign up for classes. I came mm-hmm. up with every excuse in the world. And he said, take this money, get on that bus and go to Knoxville College. I signed up for classes. It was the last day to sign up for financial aid. It was the last day to register for classes. And that's how I went to college. I didn't even think I was worthy of college. I didn't think I was college material. Apparently nobody else did either because none of my guidance counselors talked to me about going to college. But you had one person that saw but something. But there was one person. That's all one person. Mm-hmm. And so that that's the thing. That's why I always encourage uh, mothers, teen mothers, teen fathers, listen. When there is someone there who is positive and they're speaking life, allow them to help you. Yes. Because yeah. one person can change the trajectory of your life and now i call him the godfather and he's been with me all this time he's still a mentor to me he actually was there when it was time for my daughter to go off to college he came with his suv and we packed it up and we took her to college um one of my teachers was the first person to see something in me to say hey you have a message you have something to say something that you can share to help teens make better decisions and life choices. And she Mm -hmm. started giving me speaking engagements at PTA meetings. 
And then the next thing you know, I was on television and speaking before groups and became a part of a group that got paid to do speaking uh, on pregnancy prevention. And what age range are you at this point? Uh, I did that from the time time I was 15 until I was about 24 years old. There you go. And I, 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 I wanted the audience to hear that. That we are never too young to do anything. We're never too old to do. We are never too young to have a positive impact on someone else's life. Um, because when your voice matters, because yes. God, God is the weight behind our voice that makes it okay. matter. And because okay. he sees what we cannot and sees beyond where we are, mm-hmm. then we can recognize that. He can speak to us and through us at yes. any age. And so he started doing that at age 15 and continues to do it. And I'm in my fifties now. Right, 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 man. That's good. That's good. So can we talk more about the work you do now? Um, but also you are an author, correct? I am. I am. Uh, I'm an author. And my book, um, the first book that I wrote and published uh, is called Dare to Be You Phenomenal Evolution. Okay. And it's a story about my life and how God worked all things together for good, how he brought Mm -hmm. people along my path at each uh, intersection during my life uh, to say, why not do this? Or here's a resource for that. Or call this person. Or here's a book you need to read or um, what have you. So that is how I ended up where I am. And that's what really fuels the life work that I do. The coaching, the writing that I do, uh, the sharing of my story with others and uh, coaching to help people realize um, the things that are already a part of them and helping right. them to bring those things out. And even the social services work that I've done to help empower people uh, to get past their circumstances um, and to level up in their lives and just encouraging them with positive words. Those are things that have been near and dear to my heart to do. That's a part okay. of me giving back right. and sharing of the resources that have been given to me so that others can overcome those obstacles, those uh, mindsets, negative mindsets and abusive words that have been mm-hmm. spoken over them, learning how to shift their mindset, learning how to embrace the good and even to uh, be able to embrace the things that are not so good right. and help us to know what to work on. They also teach us to know what we don't want to do again, right? Right. And right, so right. Um, helping others to work through those things is a part of my life's work and it's part of my calling. And I do that by sharing the gospel in practical ways and how it impacts your life in practical ways because the word of God being alive and active, getting down on the inside Inside. is what Mm -hmm. has helped me 
to renew my mind and to shift the way that I think. Yes. And so that informs my life's work. That informs your, yes, yes. I was talking to a group of um, young ladies over the Thanksgiving break. Um, I had a gathering at my home. And one thing I shared with my daughter, who's 20 and, you know, other young women, even if you don't feel it all the way, just get in the word of God because it is going to carry you one day. It is going to carry you. Um, Even if you just, even if you're not all the way open to it, if I could give you one thing is pray and get in the word of God, because that is the thing that is going to carry you. If you pour that in, that word is going to come out. To me, when I listen to your, your, your story is a story of pouring. Um, when the negative was poured in, the negative came out. When the positive was poured in, the positive came out. And now you've had so much positive love and support from just from a larger perspective that you're able to pour that out. And I just, I thank you for the pouring um, because I do think we are definitely in a time and space where the world needs more positive feedback and love and information to be poured out into the people, young and old, you know, male and female. Um, I just thank you for the pouring. It, it means a lot. The, the pouring is where it's at. And sharing the experience. Um, when we first jumped on, we were just talking about life and I was almost at tears because I just want people to share something to help somebody else. Like, that's just my, that's my heart. My heart is the sharing. My heart is in the love. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to share this life verse. This is actually my life verse from Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That means that we're always a work in progress. Progress. But it also means more than anything is that God always finishes what he starts. And God started the good work in us Mm -hmm. in each of Mm -hmm. us he started the good work he planted the seed Mm -hmm. and as long as we're willing to tap in and to relinquish all to him listen that does not have to be something that's really long drawn out and formal it may be just like it was for me god i don't know why it means i'm here for a reason that's right And so since I'm here for a reason, Lord God, you got to show me what that is. I don't know what I'm doing. That's right. Something that simple. Help me. That's right. God has been faithful to do that. No matter where I found myself, no matter what obstacles I've faced, and he's put people in my life along the pathway to help me overcome each obstacle mm-hmm, 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 and so i know mm-hmm. that he who has begun the good work he'll always finish that's right and so for me that means that he's always working on something in me and around me he's yes he is always working on me in me 
around me, through me, and I just have to yeah. open myself up to be worked on. Because I believe Absolutely. every day is a day to get better. Yeah. Every day is a day to become yes. better. Um, yes, every day. So you you spoke about uh, your daughter and what is the relationship like between you and your daughter? I'm more of a coach. I'm more of a confidant. I'm more of a friend. And so we have an amazing relationship. We yes. always had an amazing relationship uh, because my mom taught me how to establish the boundaries that I needed to as a parent. Um, but I also understood what it's like to be in pain from the person mm -hmm. that you love the most in the world. Right. So that was something I was determined to not allow to happen to her. So I did a lot of work. You know, I did a lot of work going to counseling and therapy and just praying my way through and allowing the word of God to work in me. Uh, apologizing when I'm wrong, asking That's forgiveness, right. uh, even to her. And so we've been able to grow and develop together um, and have had some great fun. I mean, we have the same birthday. Uh, we have really? the same birthday. Yeah. She came so, on your birthday. <laughs> yeah. So we've been able to celebrate many birthdays together, birthday celebrations. We don't do that as much anymore because, right. you know, she wants to go out of the country for her birthday and do things. And she's I'm free to like, fly. I'm like, listen, let me just applaud you. Go right on. You and she's your friends. Free to fly. Yeah, she's amazing. Amazing person. She does work um, in social services. She's a program manager uh, for a great program. And, you know, she's her own woman. She loves the Lord uh, and she's a college graduate. So, you know, God is amazing. God is amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> congratulations. Congratulations on creating your own magic because mine is magic. So congratulations on creating your own magic. Um, we're going to wrap this up. Um, I, I would like to end with one final question. What is one thing that you would like to share with someone to help them to become free to fly? You have the capacity. You have mm. the capacity. And God will give you everything that you need. He'll put people in your pathway. He'll supply the resources. He's giving you seeds of ideas and things that you can use use them tap into your relationship with God and watch God work in your life accept the help accept it from God accept it from others that he places in your life and he'll give you the discernment to know who they are when they get there mm. When I tell you, just bless my whole soul. I said it was for the people, but when I tell you, God gave you that for me. So you just bless my whole soul. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank, you. you, thank, thank, you, thank you, you for having me on and sharing in this conversation with mm. me today. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, we are going to sign out. 
Um, is there any socials or anything you want to share with the people on how to reach you um, before I close us out? You can reach me on Facebook, Letitia Reeves Henry. You can reach me on Instagram, uh, Letitia Reeves Henry. Uh, on what used to be known as Twitter. Okay. Um, at, at Rev Tish. Okay. And my website, daringtobe.org. All right. And they can also find the book on your website? They can find the book on my website. And okay. also on Amazon.com. I've uh, co-authored three books and written one, two solo projects. Okay. 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 We'll have to get the links to everything and um, share it with the people, but we're going to sign out. I am Deshonda Lucas of She's Free to Fly podcast. You know, to follow us on Instagram, um, Facebook, She's Free to Fly podcast. She's Free to Fly. And then on YouTube, She's Free to Fly podcast. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Um, and I will end by saying, I pray you receive my love. I pray you feel God's grace and I pray that you share it with others. Bye-bye.